Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we always do, to join us here this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. One of the coolest moments of my life, or what seemed like it was going to lead to one of the coolest moments of my life, was when I was a minister at a church in Jersey City, New Jersey, so just right across the Hudson River from New York, and a man came into my office, handed me a card, and said he'd like to use my church as a location for a big Hollywood movie. Now, of course, I immediately imagined myself hobnobbing with movie stars, probably getting a little speaking part in the film, and eventually getting listed as an executive producer for all my wonderful contributions. Uh, What actually ended up happening was that they used our sanctuary for the second unit crew, so not any of the stars or even the real director, just the second unit crew to eat lunch for two days that I was out of town. (laughs) Kind of a letdown. Now, the movie was The Sorcerer's Apprentice, if you've ever seen this movie, starring Nicolas Cage. See, I was this close to becoming close personal friends with Nicolas Cage. Now, ironically, and this is actually true, I didn't get around to actually seeing The Sorcerer's Apprentice until last week because a friend who was purging his DVD collection sent me four giant boxes of movies and this was in there and I realized that all these years later I'd never seen it. I was troubled of course to see that I was in fact not listed as an executive producer on the movie. That was funny. Come on. There you go. Anyway, it's sort of an absolutely classic fantasy story. It's not a classic film. It was actually sort of a giant flop when it came out, but the story is a classic one. It's about a kid who discovers that he's the chosen one of a prophecy destined to kill Morgana Le Fay, the evil witch of Arthurian legend. Now, stay with me. I'm about to bring this in for a landing. This is related to what we're going to talk about this morning. This chosen one story is a staple of fantasy literature. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, they all feature this kind of tale. I'm sure it's going to be part of this new movie that's out right now that my kids are already begging me to take them to, The Kid Who Would Be King. Have you seen the previews for this? I see some excitement here in the second row. This is a modern take on the King Arthur story. You can see why we love these movies though, right? It gives us a chance, us normal schlubs, The normal kid all of a sudden finds out that he's actually really important. He's really special. He's got magical powers. He's actually a wizard. He's destined to be king. And this is what I thought of when I read this little bit of a reading we have from Jeremiah this morning. It's kind 
of what's happening here to Jeremiah, this normal kid. Of course, there's a couple of huge differences. Jeremiah is a preacher's kid, son of the local priest. He's minding his own business when the word of the Lord comes to him. Now, that's kind of an intense image, right? The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. And it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Sounds like Harry Potter or King Arthur. I knew you. You have been chosen. You're special. And Jeremiah says what every kid in every fantasy story says. Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak. I am only a boy. I can't do it, God. I'm just a kid. That's what the kid in the Sorcerer's Apprentice says. That's what Harry Potter says. That's what they all say. I can't do it. I'm just a kid. But it's at this point that we get the first major difference between Jeremiah's story and our traditional well-read fantasy story. Because at first, the worry is the same, right? Jeremiah's worried that he doesn't have what it takes to do what God is asking him to do. I can't do it. I'm just a kid. I'm too young, too small, too weak. That's what they're really saying, our fantasy heroes and Jeremiah. I'm too weak to defeat the evil Morgana Le Fay or Lord Voldemort or whoever. I'm too weak to be your prophet. But here's the difference. In the fantasy stories, the kid is never actually as weak as he's claiming. Right? He actually is special. He actually does have powers hidden deep within himself. They just need to be teased out. The kid actually is a powerful wizard. He just needs a few chapters of training. In The Sorcerer's Apprentice, the kid just needs a few minutes with Nicolas Cage. The weakness in the fantasy stories is an illusion. Usually an illusion to keep the kid hidden from the evil powers that are trying to seek him out to get rid of him. But a few chapters later, or a montage later in the film version, all the weakness is gone. And the kid is able to access his true power. But what about Jeremiah? After Jeremiah protests that he's just a boy, the Lord does say, Do not say I'm only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. You shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. God is not saying, don't worry You're actually powerful. He says, don't worry. I am powerful. And I will be with you. And we also here see the second major difference between our normal fantasy story and what's happening to Jeremiah here. In our fantasies, the hero is always given something to do. Some great quest 
that he has to accomplish. But the follower of God, in this case Jeremiah, is not given something to do, but instead is given something to say, an announcement to make. In a fantasy, the kid is always told he's special. But in the gospel, the kid is given something special to announce. Now, the first thing the Lord said is, do not say I'm only a boy. Don't say I'm too young. Don't say I'm too weak. Now, he's not saying you're not just a boy. You're not too young. You're not too weak. He's saying instead, those things don't disqualify you. In fact, they are why I am choosing you. You are young. You are weak. I am strong. And I will be strong for you. See, weakness is actually the key to the whole thing. God's power, remember, is made perfect in weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 12, God might as well be saying to Jeremiah, it's a good thing that you're young and weak. It's a good thing that you don't have anything to say. That's why I'm choosing you. I know you can't speak. That's why I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And that's the next thing that God says. Now I have put my words into your mouth. This should be of great comfort to us. It certainly is to me as I stand up here before you week by week. Now, God says, I have put my words into your mouth. Please, God, put words into my mouth. Because I have nothing of my own to say. Now, God promises to put words into his servants' mouths. But what words is he putting in? What does God have to say? What are his words? Now, this is what God says. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Okay. That sounds heavy duty to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. We like those last two, building and planting, much more than we like plucking up and pulling down, destroying and overthrowing. Building and planting sounds very Christian. God has appointed us to build and plant. It's what we're doing right here, to build strong relationships, plant the seeds of faith. Yes, this sounds like good things for us to be doing. But what is going on with this destroying and overthrowing business? What is it that we are supposed to be about? Today, God says, I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow. And only then, it seems, to build up and plant. So, We seem to have two very different kinds of words here. Destructive words and constructive words. Building up and tearing down. I know that you know where I'm going now. We have here in God's words to his servant Jeremiah the two ways that he speaks to us. The two kinds of words that God speaks. We talk about them a lot. We know what they're called. 
We call them law and gospel. We call them judgment and love. We call them rules and promises. And this week, we might give them two more names. Destruction and construction, right? God is calling us to tear down, to destroy, to pluck up, to pull down, but also to build and to plant. Destruction and construction. So God's first word, it seems, is one of destruction, judgment. He's sending his prophet to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to tell the people, as his prophets always did, to tell us to get rid of everything in our lives that is not of him. He's going through the rooms of our hearts, the dark corners, and it's spring cleaning time. He's Clearing out the cobwebs, taking out the garbage and mopping the floors, right? Our hearts are in desperate need. And God's first work in us is one of destruction. Because, you know, it's more than a spring cleaning that we need. Our hearts need destruction. And I know that sounds Heavy, But listen to what Jeremiah says later in his same book. He's writing about humans. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Does that sound like thoughts you've had about your heart? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our Deceitful hearts are the reason that God's first word is one of destruction, one of plucking up, one of tearing down, a word of overthrowing. Our hearts, our self-centeredness, our envy, lust, and spite, all of that needs to be overthrown. It needs to be plucked up and pulled down, these hearts of ours that are Deceitful above all things and desperately sick. They need to be destroyed. But God's first word is never his final word. Because after the plucking up and pulling down, after the destroying and the overthrowing, there is always building and planting. After the destruction, there is always construction. In fact, You can't build and plant until you've destroyed and overthrown. Land must be cleared for new growth. We plant in the winter for growth in the spring. You can't have resurrection until you've had crucifixion. Jesus said that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. This is what Jeremiah hears from God. After the destruction, after the plucking up and tearing down, after the clearing of the way, there will be much fruit. Planting a new life. And so we see again that weakness is the key to the whole thing. Our weakness, the weaknesses that we come into contact every day, 
that we try so hard to avoid, these weaknesses remind us ultimately of our finitude, our death. But our deaths are the avenue of Christ's power. And honestly, who here doesn't feel weak? Who didn't wake up this morning wondering how they're going to make it through this week or even through this day? Who isn't wondering how they're going to work out that thing with their family? Or how they're going to recover from the mistake they made at work? Or the person they slept with that they shouldn't have? Or the person they should be caring for but aren't? Who isn't weak? Jesus' church is a church for the weak. We are a church for the weak. We've already been plucked up and pulled down. We've been destroyed and overthrown. We're ready for building and planting. And if we were the heroes of a fantasy story, it would be up to us. We'd have the ring or the wand or the magic and we'd have had the training montage with Nicolas Cage and now it will be up to us to go on our quest, face our foe, and win the day. It's not up to you. This is God's good word to Jeremiah. I will be with you. My words will be in your mouth. You have the gospel. And the gospel is not like the ring or the wand or the magic. It's not something to be used. The gospel is not a means to an end. It is an end in and of itself. Fantasy heroes get a great mission that must be accomplished. We get a great mission accomplished that we get to proclaim. Remember the Lord's first words to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before... You were born, I consecrated you. In the same way that God said to Jeremiah, I put my words in your mouth. He says to each one of you, I put my son in your place. The work of building and planting is accomplished. Before I formed you in the womb, before you were born, I knew you, I consecrated you, I chose you, I sent my son for you. In that word, I sent my son for you. Destruction is reversed. And construction begins. Law and judgment are overcome and grace and peace reign supreme. In that word, I sent my son for you. The whole good news is contained. Yes, we are weak, but Christ is strong. And in the same way that God puts his word 
in the mouths of his servant. He puts Christ in your place, making him weak so that you might be strong, giving him up to death so that you can live. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.